We're rolling. Welcome back, everyone. Episode 77 of the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies podcast. My name is Milton Campus. I'm a brown belt training out of South Florida. We got Bo behind the camera. Hola. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Today's guest is Professor Joseph Manuel. He'll be joining us in just a little bit. Support for the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Ooh, Manscaped. Manscaped. The best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. I love that. <laughs> hey, listen. You got to have good equipment. <laughs> you got to have good equipment for the equipment. Down, down there? <laughs> no chances to be taken. <laughs> I I keep on laughing every time I think of you saying when you go off road. <laughs> the yeah, last episode, I like that. The Manscaped Performance Package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for our listeners. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with code JJD. All right. You can go to manscaped.com. All righty, everybody. There you go, and I'm wearing the shirt today, man. You got the shirt on. Yeah, we, we're not showing you on camera, though. No. So I'm still shy. We'll, just, we'll use our imaginations. I'm too shy. So. Although here we are talking about shaving your balls. Yeah, I mean, it's like, what the hell? <laughs> so I'm, I'm feeling that, like, I haven't, uh, I used it last, before the last episode, I used just about everything, but I'm really loving the Weed Whacker. Right, yeah. the the nose. Yeah, I don't get a lot of get a, get to that age where you get to the hairs in the ears, but I like the nose. You know, <laughs> you I there's ears. a there was a time in my life where I actually, you know, would pluck like if I had a long hair, like pluck it. Mm-hmm. It's oh. bad. You ever, have you seen those videos where like guys yeah. are at a barber shop and they stick like the, and they pull all their hair? That's horrible. Yeah, it's for a, you. it's a wax ball. They stick. You're it not in, supposed to. Fuck, not and you supposed to do yank that. the whole thing in a piece of brain. Oh my god, it's so nasty. It, and it feels like a little piece of brain comes out when you just pull one <laughs> one hair. Like your eyes tear, do your yeah. eyes tear, my eyes tear. Yeah, yeah. I well, I don't do it bathroom. anymore because what happened was I was doing it and I would get ingrown hairs right on the inside. Yep. And then it would be like basically like you're getting a zit inside your nose. You have to actually get me- like Super I had to get medicine painful. for it. Super. So it's horrible. So now I mean I haven't done that in a long time, but I haven't had a good Razor buzzer to do it, and now I have the weed whacker. So I, I had it's coming the, in real I handy. I had the one, you know, that you got. I don't want to mention the name that you get at Walgreens. Everyone gets. And yeah. I, and after I, it, it was good. Like the first time I used it, and then it just sucked. It, it's yeah. slow. It immediately starts to slow down, so the motor's not spinning fast anymore. Yeah. I got to tell you, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I played around <laughs> with that little guy. Yeah. And it, that whole nine thousand RPM thing. But Legit. It's, but it's consistent. Yeah. Like, you know, once you start cutting and stuff, it's not getting clogged, so it's still spinning. At yeah, that yeah, speed. you're not, it's yeah, not it's not like, down. it's, you know, again, you're not getting into a whole bunch of hair and it goes, you know, yeah. it doesn't, no, it, I, I, it's I consistent. I don't have that much hair, you know, it's not like some of, there's some people I've seen that just yeah. really, they'll, they could take it, like, they need two of <laughs> two in one nostril, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm so conscious of it, like, I'll see other people. Yeah. Like, I'll be like, well, yeah, yeah. you really need to, like. I'm the guy that says, hey, bro, you got something, you know. Yeah, dude, you got something. Got a whole forest growing out of your nose. Sorry. You know, I haven't. (laughs) I'm I'm new to to this beard game, but, like, I always wondered, like, you know, some people have the beard and they're, like, half the beard's coming out of their nose. Like, they don't trim the the nose hairs. And they got those knots that are rope climbers. Do you do do that, right? So, 
You don't yeah, let, I've seen you don't that. Let the nose it drives the shit out of me. Out like, yeah, it's a, it's a beard, but it's, look a, like a, walrus, it's you know, like, a nostril mustache. It comes yeah, flowing out nasty. like a glacier out of their nose <laughs> <laughs> onto their upper lip. <laughs> well, that's my new favorite. Again, check them out. It's Manscaped. We'll actually get 20% off and free shipping with code JJD at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use our coupon code JJD. You can unlock your confidence and always use the right tool, right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right? Did you so, see, Higel he, he was right. Higel? He he calling him Higel already? <laughs> Higel was right that code JJG works everywhere. everywhere. Now it works at Manscaped. <laughs> <laughs> We've got one sponsor where it's not just JJD. We'll get to them in a yeah. minute. Uh-huh. So thank you to Manscaped for all the support. We are also sponsored by Black Belt Digital Marketing. Anything you need for your business, like website design, Google Ads, graphic design. I used to say they can help. We can help. It's my company. Uh, uh, it's a pleasure helping companies out. Don't brag. One of our uh, our <laughs> Patreon sponsors is now a client. I'm not going to not going to tell you who, but one of our Patreon sponsors, the gyms that we shout out, is now a client. Just became a client yesterday. Hey, it makes sense. So you know what we do is uh you know our core. We talk a lot about the web design and this other stuff. What we do is help people get found locally. Like I call it clean the graffiti off the front door so that they'll get more phone calls organically from like their Google My Business or what's called the Google Business Profile now. So like their map listing. So that Sand gets seen blast more. their image yeah. off the front door. We're, yeah, clean, it, clean up their presence. You know, we actually do a nice little review and report on where everything stands. And then we get to a place where we're helping them fix the things that they need our help with. And then... We coach them on things they could do themselves, like asking for reviews and, and answering reviews and answering them properly. So it helps with your overall search engine optimization. So check us out on Instagram at Black Belt Digital Marketing. And you can check out our website, bbdigitalmarketing.com. Again, and right there on the homepage, you can request that free online review. Uh, so shout out to Neutral Zone. So I'm loving my my CBD, my, my tinctures, right? So... So I've got this guy by the bed. I've got the, uh, this is the uh, CBD with the melatonin and the berry. Mm-hmm. So this is, cool. so out of, out of everything, this is, this, yeah. this one tastes the best. I love it. Are you uh, dreaming? Are you having wild dreams? I am actually sleeping through the night. I knew that I would because I've, you know, had melatonin products before, but now I'm actually sleeping through the full night and not getting up five or six times like I used to. Right. I just, like, I'm actually surprised when I wake up to the alarm in the morning. And I haven't woken up, you know, a whole bunch nice, of times. Nice. Uh, so this is my favorite. I think maybe I should try that because I don't think I've slept like that in 10 years. This citrus <laughs> one, I actually posted a picture. It was actually, I was at my desk. I'm like, oh, let me take a little picture. The citrus is at my office desk. And I honestly probably might even be taking it more than I'm supposed to. Is but that nighttime? I or take is a, that, no, this is, a, this is the right, this is regular. That's nighttime. The melatonin okay. is uh, the nighttime. And then the citrus, I usually, after my first coffee, right. then I just okay. take an eyedropper full. And this guy is sitting at my desk all day. Nice. Yeah, I, I take it more than once. <laughs> and now this is this is my new best friend, though. I just I went back which, to train this week. This is the, uh, the kind of the roll-on. Oh. The, it's called the muscle rub, but it's got the little roll-on. As soon as I went back, neck got super freaking tight. I only trained once this week. I'm going to go Saturday again. But as soon as I was just like, ah, perfect time to try the roll. It's, it's incredible. The, the smell isn't overpowering. Like a lot of like, uh, 
you know, like the the sprays yeah. and you know non CBD products. Like I like this stuff. I feel like I'm getting more out of it. So this is a this has been my new best friend over the last couple of days. Well, most of those have have the smell to cover the toxic shit that's in them. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you know, one of the things about Neutral Zones products is it's plant based. Right. So there you go. There you go. That's all. You can you can actually see on. And I'm so horrible with my glasses. Like it's. Uh, you know, tested on animals. It's plant based. It's, I believe, it's vegan, right? I think I've actually posted. Um, I think all of the products are like vegan, so it's amazing stuff. You know, there are people that that actually think about that stuff. So everything is plant based, and you know, you can find. You know, we're working with the sports recovery line, but they have stuff for pets, women. I gave my wife. They actually sent us some samples, face masks. So I gave it to my wife. She hasn't used it yet. I just gave it to her this week. Has like the face mask for the for I guess really men and women. Uh, I'm I'm That's excited to, to try yeah, that. They have yeah. like a patch. I'm excited to try the patch, which I, I haven't might, yet. I'd be I don't want to just like start I'd trying everything without in, uh, having yeah. a need for it in the moment. I'd be interested in the face mask too because I look like I got hit by a train. <laughs> so I, you know, I need he a little skin help. That. Need a little skin right. help. Well, right. I don't know. I got. I'll, I'll, I'll see what it looks like. I wonder what like how it like once goes you pull it out. Mine would look like a forest of little white trees on the inside. I don't think it's like that. You're thinking about the, the pulling the, the blackheads yeah. off. Well, that too. No, it's just like a. <laughs> well, well, facial's supposed to dissolve those, so you don't actually end up pulling them out like that. But yeah, I mean, maybe that need. To I'll, I'll let you. I'm going to get feedback from my wife on that one. But again, for athletes. Again, they have the women's line, not that women aren't athletes, but they have a cosmetic kind of like in a woman's line, uh, and then the pet products. And I do have a cat, and she is a little crazy, and I'm curious to talk to them about anything I could be using to Dose calm her, her down a little bit. <laughs> Dose her up, man. Yeah. So check them out at NeutralZoneCBD.com. Code JJD for 25% off, and you can check them out on Instagram at MyNeutralZone. All right? Um, shout out to our friend, George Hernandez at Hernandez claims, right? He's a public adjuster. So he's the guy that's going to help you out. If you have an insurance claim, you've got issues with your roof, you got damage from a hurricane, a tornado, uh, you know, we're down in Florida, so we deal with the hurricanes, but, uh, you know, now he's, uh, he's uh, licensed in Texas as well. So, you know, they get hurricanes on the coast and I believe they get their fair share of tornadoes. Through Great. That, he's uh, got kind of the, northern the two part hurricane of Texas. spots in the country. <laughs> yeah. Right. That the whole, you know, the but whole yeah, Gulf coast. That's, that's good. So call George Hernandez today. Let the professionals help you get the most compensation possible from your insurance company. Check them out at Hernandez Claims on Instagram or visit their website, HernandezClaims.com. Uh, as always, Sean and the crew, the crew from Flow and Roll, I just called Sean on the way down here um, to talk to him about the Peace Love Jiu-Jitsu mm-hmm. uh, rash guard. Cool. Uh, so didn't get him, but I'm going to try to hit him up on the way back down, uh, back home. Uh, but... Um, you know, oh, and I'm gonna have that T-shirt. Actually, I'm done. waiting on Very it. Whenever shortly. you're ready. Yep, yep. So we'll have that. Our first rash guard with Sean and Flow and Roll, and it's gonna be something that we're gonna put into. Essentially, we already give like a swag bag, but we're sending most of it from a different place. He sends out the T-shirts, and then we'll have the rash guard. We've got the keychains that he just did right here. These guys, and then. Um, going to do bags and, and coffee mugs and things like that with him too i know we talk about it a cool. lot but there's a reason why he does awesome custom work check them out at flow underscore and underscore roll on instagram and flow and roll.com you get 
same code JJD, to get 20% off your online order. That's not for custom orders. That's if you're going to buy, you know, a gi or some t-shirts or you're getting our products, our podcast tees. podcast tees, yeah. Use the code JJD. Again, I always point everybody to the Instagram. You'll see the most as far as uh, the work that he's doing, pictures of the work that he does with academies throughout the country. And he's got that cool kind of program to get you kind of th- yeah. through the door. You, a lot of lot less money out of pocket. He'll help you get the gi and no gi kits that you need. And your students can order online. You're not collecting money. You're not laying out this big nut for, you know, all the gis that you need. I mean, you know, you're talking about thousands of dollars. He's got ways for you to save money and it's going to help you get what you need quicker uh, and uh, and overall less money out of pocket. Yep. All right. Um. The BJJ box. There it is. BJJ box. And Miguel is in it. We're we're just, <laughs> we're about to finish the giveaway. We did a giveaway, so we're giving away two VIP boxes. Oh, cool. So I'm going to announce that before this episode is out, we'll, we will have announced that. Um, and for those of you who don't know, right, this is Jiu-Jitsu's favorite monthly subscription box delivered right to your door, filled with premium Jiu-Jitsu and grappling apparel, equipment, supplements, supplies, snacks, and, and, a, and a whole lot more. You're going to get about four to seven items, all right? They're basically going to find the best in the world of jiu-jitsu and, and guarantee every box to be worth more than the cost. So they've got a couple of different packages. There's one that, you know, you can get a rash guard. There's ones that you get a T-shirt. So just check out, see what fits your needs, what, you, uh, what you're willing to, you know, pay monthly. Again, it's a subscription. So you're paying monthly and you're going to get a box every month. There's one of the subscriptions is like, there's a quarterly in there somewhere. So, uh, so check them out again, code JJD 10 for 10% off your first order, right? So you're going to go to the BJJ box.com. And again, JJD 10, you'll get $10 off the first order. $10. Yeah, you said percent before. I oh, did I say percent? Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, JJD 10. <laughs> For ten dollars off your first order. Excuse me if I yep. said percentage. Ten B. So yeah, go check them out. You know, we'll do an unboxing. We should have another box on the way soon. We'll do another unboxing. Still oh, cool. using my spiky nice, ball. Nice. Still using my spiky ball. Yeah, how is It's freaking amazing. Especially like after I told you, like I like to jump rope. Especially after like the morning after doing that, doing a jump rope on your feet, you know, I'm on your toes. I do everything barefoot. Yeah. So I'm on the oh, mats yeah, in my yeah, gym yeah. barefoot. So it's like, you're That's not getting the comfort. Better. Doing it barefoot is better. Well, I'm, I'm doing it barefoot on mats. So I don't really feel like I wouldn't do it barefoot. I used to do it barefoot in the gym on just like the wood, wood floors mm. at like LA fitness. I'd go hit the bags there that they have and do I jump rope. I think that's better. Um, I would even grab mats, the yoga mats, the yoga style mats that they have there and put two on top of each other and do it on top of that. Just a, my feet would feel different, but I use a spiky ball now. I, I really do love it. I am. It's, it looks like a cat toy in the middle of my living room. <laughs> she doesn't must, touch it, no. but it looks like a cat. We have a cat, so it looks like a cat toy because it's just that little that little red ball. But my favorite thing out of that box, aside from the T-shirt, which I didn't get to wear today, aside from the T-shirt, because it's got all the submissions yeah. on the back of the T-shirt that he gave nice, me. Nice. Um, I, that's that's my that's, that's cool. my standout. Shout out to Britt Tavar, our booking manager and sponsorship coordinator. She's handling the the giveaways on Instagram and she's also booking all of our guests. She's got us booked out a couple of months still. Got some interesting ones job, coming. Ms. Tuba. That's some interesting things coming. And we've got 
Um, we've got a couple in-house interviews coming. Cool. So yeah, we haven't had somebody you know, in here in a while. Yeah, you know, I, I really do want to get back to you know, I love the zooms, but you know, like having people in the studio is a different vibe. Yeah, you know, it's especially you know when we have Miguel yeah. here and then a guest. You know, like the Rashad episode we did, like it's been a while. Yeah, since the Rashad we episode was, was that the last an, one. Quite we did? an accomplishment um, with having seven people in here. <laughs> right here we had was, Big J off to the side, yeah. me. We would, it Miguel? We, we would have had to put some people on the ceiling if we had yeah, any more. Right? And then we had two more people waiting outside. Yeah. Three more people Three waiting more people. outside. Yeah. Yeah. So well, we had ten in the whole in the, in the apartment at the time. And well, yeah. I'm I'm excited to get back to doing more. Did of I just those. give it away that it's an apartment? I really. <laughs> I, I'm real. I really actually, when I throw that invite out to guests at the end of an episode, like I really do. If you're in Florida, let me know. And we really would, you know, we yeah, plan it yeah. out and, yeah. and do it on the right day so we can have everybody available. You know, I would like to get it's back a different, to doing more It's a whole different dynamic. Yeah, yeah. Drew and uh, and his buddy uh, T. Mello are going to be coming on the first week of May. Oh, cool. So okay. not next so week, not, not next Thursday week. next week, the week after the week that. After. Cool. And they keep on uh, actually posting like funny memes at each other, <laughs> like stuff about like beating people. Like it's just like a crazy <laughs> wacky shit. And it's like me and and Drew on the next episode of the Jujutsu podcast. Good. I've been I've been putting in in our stories when extra promo work there. All right, so let's get our guests in here. Let's do this. Cool beans. All right, everybody joining us today is fourth degree black belt professor Joseph Manuel. How you doing, Professor? I'm doing good, man. It's good to see you guys. Good to hear from you, too. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, a lot to talk about. As I, I always do a little bit of research. I listen to some, you know, podcasts and things like that that, you've, that each guest has been on. Nice. Um, and, and, you know, the one thing that I've been dying to talk to you about and, and stood out to me was Choke Lab. We'll start there. I know everybody always starts with, tell me where you started jujitsu. Let's start with Choke Lab. I didn't know that was you. That, tell, tell me about your involvement. Is that a, a company that you started yourself? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. G- give me the history of that because I think a, a lot of people follow that page and follow the website and even the you know the YouTube, but I don't think anybody really understood who was behind it. At least people in in my little generation of jujitsu. Yeah, I mean, you know, to some degree, I wanted to try to keep that as 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 quiet as possible, mm-hmm. simply because I mean, some some things are changing in the jujitsu community, but you know that we have like this team A, team B thing going on where it's like, if you Gracie Baja and I'm Novo Nyon, you know, I can't really like support you. You know what I'm saying? So but I, I thought there was no be- politics in jujitsu. That's what all yeah. my coaches always told me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, everything has its place, right? Like, yeah. I, I, I gotta admit, you know, my school is a very open academy. We let people yeah. come and train when they visit. We're like where we are in Harrison, New Jersey. Basically, it's a county route, and it's 15 minutes from New York City. And a lot of people that come to New York City where they don't want to be deal with the hustle and bustle of of, of of New York, they come to Harrison which is close so that this way they can stay here and then travel there. So we get visitors from all over the world and our school is open, but there is a part of me that, you know, the competitor side of me, that's like, listen, my guys that are competing, like, I don't like them mixing up with other guys that they're going to be facing in a few weeks, you mm-hmm. know, all right, maybe a training session here or there a seminar, but if you're going to be training with guys you're competing against, it doesn't make any sense because I really do believe from the strategic perspective that, there is an element of surprise and it could be from strategy. It could be technique. Who knows? So I do understand that, but um, you know, the idea behind choke lab was more to like, uh, instead of it being team A, team B, just team jujitsu, right? Mm-hmm. Where we were one of the first people to go post uh, someone who got promoted 
Um, you know, just one day I got up, I saw someone that they were on Instagram. They got promoted to Blue Belt. It had like five likes, a few comments. We took that, reposted it on, on Choke Lab. And the comment that I put in the description was, you don't have to be on their team to congratulate them. And it was like, bam, we got a bunch of comments and a lot of people that jumped in and said, congratulations. I can't even imagine when that person woke up and they saw the notifications, it must've been out of control because there was so many comments. And that's what it was about for me. You know, yeah, that's like yeah. what I wanted to spread that, that feeling that, listen, just because I'm from, um, you know, Team Ross and Mora and someone else from Alliance gets a black belt, I could jump in the comment section and say, congratulations, bro, because we're all headed there. Yeah. That's our goal. I don't have to be like, oh, well, he's Alliance. I can't post a congratulations. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So that was like one of the, the main things uh, that I was, one of the main objectives behind Choke Lab. And the reason why I wanted to keep myself out of it, because once people know that it's me, then they're going to be like, oh, you see, he represents Rob Samora. And, and, and then it comes, you know, then that, that, that little, that division comes. Right. So I tried for a long time. Eventually people are going to figure out who it was. It's been a few years now, I think since 2016 is when I started it, but um, I was trying to keep myself out of it too, you know, but anyway, it is what it is. I have, a, I, if I can, I have a little saying to that point. I say this on the podcast a lot. There's more of us than there are of them. And I've said that in this context where as I'm a hobbyist, I started jujitsu when I was 41, right? You know, I, I never had any aspirations of becoming a world champion. I, I did jujitsu because I wanted to learn the self-defense. I loved the boxing. I fell in love with the UFC. And I said, I have to, I need to know that part on the ground. But the, this is more of a, there's more of us than there are of them was the, there are just as men, there are more hobbyists than there are serious competitors. There are more of us than gym owners. So like, Hey, don't feel like slighted if you don't know every competitor's name and you don't watch every IBJJF. And again, there's so many hobbyists out there that don't get caught up in the school versus school part of it. They just come to jujitsu and then they leave. They come to jujitsu and then they look at videos online, but they're not so involved in that in that political side. So I I try to remind people that that when they do start to get into that little political side or that team, maybe listen, man, it don't. There's why, like you said, it's for the greater good to not yeah. get involved. Yeah. So. Um when I, when I started Choke Lab, it was the, the, the inspiration behind it was that uh, Professor Robson Mora was at the, uh, I think it was 2014 or 15 um, World Pro event that they had and um, where they had the seminars running at the same time as the brackets and super fights. So out of the super fights, I think there were five of them. I can be wrong. He was the only one that finished his opponent. The other black belt matches were great. But Robson finished his opponent, who at that at that in that match was Marcos da Mata Fajumpinha, who is the uh, American top team BJJ coach, one of the coaches. So <clears throat> these guys had a, a pretty awesome rivalry, you know, on the mat, and then they had a rematch after many years, and it was like an epic match. Everyone was waiting to see it, and unfortunately, very few people um, reported on it. If I'm correct, only one person reported on it, and I always forget his name. But today I saw. Um, he had posted a video where he was doing a interview with, um, um, Nikki Ross, little brother, Jay rock. And then I saw I was grappling and I can't remember the last thing I kept telling myself, remember, remember. So this way they ask you next time, give them the credit that is due. And at this moment, it's slipping my mind. Flow, um, flow anyway, uh, no, it wasn't flow grappling. The guy, he's a small guy, but, um, you know, a nice, a uh, small little page and he has a YouTube channel. Well, this gentleman was the only one that did an interview with Robson and he had little clips of the match. 
So I went, pulled it down from YouTube, chopped it up. And at the time I really wasn't into social media like that, like mm -hmm. the Instagram. I actually kind of thought it was a little stupid because I have a bit of a background in search <laughs> engine optimization. And when I was studying key tags and all these things and metadata, I saw hashtags like SEO for dummies, right? And so my wife tried to put me up on it, but at the time I had to get into it because I was like, how am I going to make this video go viral? Well, at least I wanted to spread it, uh, you know, with our teammates around the world. So I opened up my account again and posted the video and sure enough, all my teammates shared it, right? Everyone was like, oh, look at the match, the footage from Robson's match. So I, I was upset. I'll be honest with you. I was upset. Like, man, how come they didn't report on it? I thought, you know, I'm thinking jujitsu is a small man's game. The whole objective about jujitsu is to finish the opponent. I don't know what's happening. Why didn't report it? I was all upset. So I decided, I, I said it out loud to my, at the time I said it to my son. I'm like, there's so many people in the jujitsu world that are contributing to the growth of the art, apart from these athletes that are doing amazing things, coaches and people like you who are just a hobbyist and you have this awesome podcast. But when is Flow Grappling ever going to do an article on them or feature them on their site? When is Gracie Magazine going to do that? They're not going to do that because they're only interested in all the stars, right? Like how many articles has Gracie Magazine done on Roger Gracie? Like, you know, he's great. I love him, but I'm sick and tired of seeing articles about Roger Gracie. There's so many other people in the jiu-jitsu world that they don't cover. And I was like, we have to do something different. And that's why I said, I'm going to jump in instead of complaining because it's easy to complain. Like they say, um, um, any fool can complain and most do. Let me jump <laughs> in there. <laughs> Let me jump in there and just try to, I, we try to use the influence of the high, the high level and stars, high level athletes and stars, but mostly I do repost of just average people that are posting on social media, you know? So we have the prestige of a big brand, but we're not only focused on, you know, Homo Bahao. We're not only focused on the stars mm -hmm. of the jujitsu community. We also repost content from just average people who, um, who are posting their content out there so people can see it, you know? And so that's the balance that I'm trying to keep. Like, again, I do post things that are related. Like we just posted a video of a, a phenomenal flying arm lock that Jamie Canuto did. But then I'll go looking for people that are posting stuff and just repost it, repost it, repost it. And this way we can share their content with, with the, the reach so that we Do have. you still handle the, the, the Instagram for Choke Lab? Yeah, or personally. You have, you have like a team, do you have it? Because... The website is growing, right? The brand, you have the apparel, right? Do you have a team that's helping with that or is, is most of that on you? It's all me. Really? Wow. Still, me. huh? So I have a graphic designing background, so that helps with things that okay. I need to do. You know, I have a, a photography and cinematography background that okay. helps me with the video. So if you go into, say, Cobra and you see the videos that I post on my personal page, they're pretty lit, right? Yeah. Like they're really <laughs> almost perfectly edited videos because I'm so particular like that. And so all these abilities and talents that I have, I use them personally for my Zekobra because that's how I advertise for my seminars and private lessons and my business. I use it for our cutting edge BJJ account for the academy, but I also use these skills for like, you know, choke lab project, things like that. So we have the, the um, Instagram account. We do have a website and we're, we have three courses up right now. So I, I got into the course, um, instructional course industry. Okay. Um, since there's only one person and, a, and I, I have a particular style of editing. It takes a little longer than most um, courses that come out. I'm very particular about how it looks. And so I'd rather take my time and have quality than quantity. And okay. so I'm not really trying to sell to the whole world. Whoever likes Choke Lab, they like it. If you don't like it, whatever. And for the people that want to invest, 
they're going to make an investment in these courses and it's going to be worthwhile because it's edited like no one else edits on the in the in the uh in the industry you know so there are a lot of things moving parts to choke lab and i'm handling all myself because it's my vision if i put someone else to do it they're not gonna have the same vision i have you know and from the feedback that i get I, i mean you know very i don't even i really can't think of anyone that said I really don't like the way you guys edit your videos. I think uh, last week someone posted on a video that we had on YouTube that the background music was too loud. <laughs> that was it. I'm like, all right, well, if that's the know, worst thing, that's the worst thing, yeah. you know. So, <laughs> so where does the where does the passion for teaching come from? Man, that's a good question, man. I, I guess in, um, it comes from from my dad. Uh, you know, my dad had a phenomenal experience with my dad, and he was a uh, highly, 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 and extremely intelligent person, man, spoke like six or seven languages and was skilled in so many things. He was a military, he was in the military. He was an armed specialist encyclopedic when it came to that. He was a medic as well. He he, he had multiple capacities in the military. Um, and so my dad was kind of like the type of person that you sat around with, if you sat around him for just a few minutes, you learned something new, you know, it was like, you just, He'd be like, oh, did you know this? I'm like, no, I didn't know that. He'll give you the historical background to it. He'll give you all the details. So I kind of get that from my dad. And um, in jujitsu in particular, the, the, the passion to teach came from when I encountered the power of the, the, the invisible forces involved with jujitsu, which is like leverage, momentum, inertia, timing, all these invisible forces. You find that in jujitsu when you learn the basic self-defense techniques, right? And so I was fascinated by that. And my first students were my, my oldest daughters. I have two older daughters. Uh, one is 26, one is 24, Danajan and Liani. So at that time, they were three and four years old. When I realized how powerful jujitsu was for self-defense, I thought to myself, man, women and children, they really need to learn this. And so the first two students I had were my daughters, Danajan and Liani. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So how old are you? I am 47 years old. Okay. You're almost the same. I'm 48. We have, I have a 28 year old daughter. So we both started early. <laughs> yeah. So that passion grew once I taught them and I, and, uh, you know, obviously the, the, uh, the, 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 the communication ability and, and the relationship I had with the girls, the first thing that I thought was like applying that to teaching a class. So I was always like very fun with them, very silly with them. I joke around. We do this thing in the car called movie trivia where we drive on a trip and then we just start quoting cartoons. Like I will watch cartoons with them and then quote it. And this kind of translated very well for me in the kids class where when I would be in the kids class, I would just use that quirky silliness and, and cartoon reference um, in the class and make it really, really fun for the kids to learn. And so when I noticed that it was working, and I was able to teach them. And then I had a chance to teach. Um, I did some volunteer work at a school here in Jersey. The, the professor of the school, his name is Johnny Guerrero. And so he had given me an opportunity. Of, he was very gracious to allow me to teach at his school. And it was kind of like a trade-off where my kids trained there. And then I, I taught the kids class. And I, I had that. That was the, 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 the lab, so to speak, where I was able to develop and fine-tune my teaching skills and, and transmit this amazing art to the children at that time. And then it just grew from there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You said that your father knew six languages. How many do you speak? Cause I know that you speak very uh, uh, fluent Portuguese, right? <laughs> yeah. 
one of the, <laughs> and, and you're Puerto Rican, so we're always going to assume that every Puerto Rican knows how to speak Spanish. Yes. Because I'm Puerto Rican and I don't, and don't, <laughs> don't look down on me for that. Yeah. And obviously English. Do you speak any other languages? I don't know. Those no. are the three that I speak. Yeah. Did you, and, and did you learn Portuguese because of jujitsu? Yes. Yeah. So uh, pr pretty interesting story. Um, as a teenager, unfortunately, there were some things that kind of went wrong when I was a young man. Um, <laughs> um, you know, my, my, my dad, um, during the um, Reagan administration in the 80s, you know, um, there was a big sequester back then, a lot of cuts to the military. Mm -hmm. So my dad lost his job. Unfortunately, he had to resort to like these, you know, small jobs, uh, working at a tire shop. He was a musician as well, a phenomenal musician. So he resorted to, not resorted to, he used that ability to be able to, to win some, you know, bring home the bread, so to speak. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but in that lifestyle of music, I remember that here in the Hamptons, my dad used to drive out there because that's where the money was. And that partying lifestyle led him into the drug lifestyle. Oh, right? so I, I giggled when you started to say that. Cause I thought you were going to tell me about you being a bad kid and you <laughs> went another direction. So I apologize. I wasn't laughing at, no, you know, no, no, no worries. I wasn't being disrespectful, but go ahead. Not go at ahead. all. No. So unfortunately, my dad kind of got caught up in that lifestyle and that just made things worse. Once he became kind of like an addict, mm -hmm. I wound up in a situation where I was either going to go in the system or I had to find someone that would take me in before going into the system. Back mm -hmm. then, they had shelters in New Jersey. And you, we already know, everybody knows those places are notorious for child trafficking and things like that. And so in that process, it was a, some time in years where I was kind of, you know, in a home here, in a home there and I was on the streets, I met a young man, his name is Bruno Macedo. And he had come over to our side of town, which was the south side of North, and he really shouldn't have been there. So when I met the kid, I kinda, I felt bad. He was looking for someone. I was like, let me get this kid out of here. This is a dangerous place. And I walked him out to the outskirts of Newark. And in that journey, you know, he talked to me, we got to know each other, and he took me into where we are now, which is Harrison, New Jersey. And through him, I was able to meet his family, right? And they were, he was Brazilian. So I met him. We became really good friends. I'll be, I'll be honest with you, man. There were times I was starving, man. I was, I was on the streets, no food, no supervision. And, um, you know, he'd be like, come to my house, man. This kid was a chef. <laughs> and I used to look forward to those days where he'd invite me to his house so I could have a nice, warm <laughs> plate of food, man. Um, uh, uh, this kid is to me, I always say he's like an angel. He's like an angel in my life because through him, I met his mom and I met his sisters. I met his dad, his dad. I remember seeing me, he wasn't really too crazy about me because he knew I was from the streets, but you know, he gave me an opportunity to work with him in a restaurant and they led me into a completely different lifestyle from one that would have been cat cat catastrophic on the streets, maybe a life of drugs and crime. I met them and learned about the culture. They had a construction company. They put me to work. Uh, the father worked in a restaurant as well. He took me with him to work. He would teach me the ropes. Like, this is how a man needs to be if you want to raise a family. And they completely changed my life, man. So in that process of being with them around them is how I learned about jujitsu. I learned about the amazing um, Brazilian culture. I learned the language. I can read and write uh, and speak Portuguese. Um, the, the mother of the family, her name is Estela Macedo. She encouraged me as a young man, like, you need to learn about your culture. So I didn't speak Spanish. Well, not at least not fluently. And she was the one that encouraged me. You should go read books. Zay, you need to learn about your, your culture, learn about your people. And I remember, I didn't know anything about the island of Puerto Rico. I mean, I had some basic common knowledge that was, that was incorrect 
Um, Because when I went into the books, I found out so many things that I thought I knew were all wrong about the island and the culture and how, you know, the Spaniards, Spaniards came to the island and, 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 and the rest is history. So she was that family. She was instrumental. He was instrumental in leading me to where we are today. I, I, he came here not too long ago, Bruno. And I told him, listen, bro, this is, this is you, man. He's like, no, this is you. You did. It. I'm like, yeah, but if it wasn't for you, man, we would not be here. This wouldn't even be in existence. You know? Wow. So you start that leads you to jujitsu. Was he trained yeah. jujitsu as well? He didn't train jujitsu. Was one day my mom was watching. Oh, I say my mom. She was she was the mom. She's not actually my mom, but we call her Mai. And uh, Mai was watching global TV, and they ran this um, commercial where they were showing these different sports in Brazil. And when I saw, there was a quick clip they showed of like uh, Hoyler in competition and training at the academy, and he did the the elevator arm lock, like the, the like the Yoko Tomonage or the Tomonage mm-hmm. to arm lock, Jujigatami. And I was like, whoa, what's that? You know. And that's what caught my eye at first. And then I saw the UFC. So first it was a global TV commercial of sports in Brazil. And they showed uh, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, in particular Hoyler, in competition and training at the academy. And I was like, man, I, I want to learn that. And I remember at that time, I was telling Mai that, um, you know, I was like, I will go to Brazil and, and I'll leave the U.S., go to Brazil and just stay there to learn Jiu-Jitsu. Like, that's what I was thinking when I saw the commercial. I was like, I was enamored instantly when yeah. I first saw it. And if it wasn't for certain things that happened in my life, I probably would have gone to Brazil uni- and I would have. The universe led you to that. It's like, you know, if you want to say God or the universe, I say the universe, but right. You met this young man, you meet the family, you get into the culture and it's just like, it's all these little things kind of like yeah. box you into that, into that lane yeah. to, to yeah. find you. I mean, it was meant for you. I mean, I could not, we would be here for days if I, if I explained to you how many things uh, that are now, I, what I consider a huge blessing in my life came from this path. Like my yeah. wife, my wife and my, I have two, I have two young daughters because um, the, the other children for a pre- previous relationship, I was a lot younger. Um, I met her through jujitsu, man. It's crazy, man. You know, like um, there's so many things, so many things that today uh, I consider a huge blessing. I got through the path, through that family, through Bruno, through Estella and Nilo, the family, the Macedo family, jujitsu, and to this point where we are today. Amazing. So, so let's talk about how you, you meet Hobson Mora. T- tell me, tell how, how does your path lead to him? Cause I know you kind of sought him out, right? Yes. So when I, fir- uh, when I first started training with um, my first formal lessons were with Mario Marcio Lemos. Um, he was, um, at the time that I met him, he was a brown belt competition team captain for Hicks and Gracie in California. Um, he trained with, with all of them and, and he was initially part of that movement when they moved to California of instructors that came to the U.S. and they were promulgating the, the art of jiu-jitsu. So I met him here in Harrison. Um, and he was at my mom's restaurant. She owned a restaurant where she sold Brazilian food and he was there for something to eat. And I happened to just stroll in to get my ribs and rice. <laughs> and that's how I met Mario. And um, one day in class, he had this t-shirt on and it was a t-shirt with the image of Salo Hibedo. And it said 1999 world championships, most, um, most technical fighter. I went on Google, searched it up. I came across Hori and Gracie's website. They had back then the VHS tapes of the uh, 97 worlds, 99 worlds, 2001. I purchased them all. And that's when I first got a glimpse of Hobinho competing. When I popped in the, t- I went backwards from 2001 to 99 to 97. 
when I popped in that first uh, VHS tape, it was the La Roosterway division, Omar Salem, who won his, uh, his finals match, beautiful elevator sweep, um, then to the back and a finish. I just competed against him last weekend. I think it was. We'll, uh, we'll talk about that. We'll, we'll talk yeah. about that. <laughs> and then the second match was the light featherweight category, Robson Moore versus Vinicius Vinicinho. And um, that's when I first got a glimpse of his jujitsu. When I watched the whole tape, but I came back to that second one because it was just, it really, really left an, uh, a mark on me. Um, and um, yeah, so I started to do research like anyone else would do, start searching Google, Rob some more, who he was. I, I started finding little bits and pieces of information. And um, until finally, that was 2001 when I started. I started August 2001. And, uh, and in 2003, I was in Brazil. <laughs> I went to Brazil you to really, the trip. You made the trip. I made the trip to Brazil. Um, it was a gentleman that uh, I used to go to his open mats for extra training. His name was Mike McCulloch. Unfortunately, he passed away. May he rest in peace. Mark McCulloch was the one that invited me to Brazil. He said, Joe, let's go to Brazil, man. You should go compete at the Worlds. And I was like, Worlds, man, you crazy? I was like, I'm not ready for that. I was, I'm very, very fanatical. Like many jujitsu guys train six, seven days a week, two, three times a day. And at that time, he was like, I don't know anybody that trains like you. You should go. And he convinced me to go. And I took the opportunity to try to seek Robson out. But I didn't know at the time they had informed me that he had a long time uh, ago moved to Sao Paulo to build his, uh, his, his school and his brand over there. And um, so I didn't get to meet him there, but it was meant to be. That was July of 2000. Was it 2003? Was born to, no, it was 2004. I'm sorry. July of 2004, June, July of 2004. That very August, I came back from Brazil. That very August, I went to a, uh, battle at the beach and Wildwood, New Jersey, Naga, and he was standing right in the center of the gymnasium. Meant to, you were meant to meet him. Meant to be, man. I went to Brazil looking for him. I missed him. And I come back to Jersey, super pumped, excited, inspired, motivated by all the matches that I saw at the world, Jacare, Bibiano Fernandez, Vito Shaolin, you name it, all the greats. I came back super pumped to compete. It was the first championship back from Brazil. And when I walk in the arena, Guess who's standing right there, man? It was the man, Robson Mora. Amazing. So now, did, did you act, did you get to go? You you speak to him there. You actually now you take the oh, opportunity yeah, oh, yeah. to go up oh, to yeah. him, and, and then and then what happens? So uh, um, I took the opportunity, went straight up to him. I had a I had a group of guys that were there with me, anywhere between fifteen to maybe twenty to thirty guys that were there with me. We stopped over. We showed respect. Everybody stopped, bow, said us. He was kind of like shocked. What's going on over here, you know? I went up to him and um, I spoke to him in Portuguese about like how much of a fan I was. And, and uh, you know, I started talking about matches, you know? <laughs> I had, there was this one match that I had a collection of footage of his matches and it was one that I, I couldn't get anywhere. Um, and back then on, on the mat, the website, they had it. I just didn't know how to pull it down from there. But there was a match that he had against Fredson Paixão and in Sao Paulo where he lost. And I, I was talking to him about that. I was like, man, you know, I saw a match where you beat him. And then I saw, you know, this match where you lost to him. And uh, I was just like curious, like what went wrong? You know, I don't know. I was just talking to him about the match. And, you know, I, I'm sure he thought I was crazy. You know, like, I don't know this guy. <laughs> and he's talking to me about matches, you know. And I was asking him like, hey, you know, is there any way that I could get footage of that? And, you know, he, he, was, he was cool, right? He just, 
you know, he just looked at me. He was like, yeah, when I go to Brazil, I'll check and see if I have it, you know, which really meant like, no, he's not going to go. Run, run along. <laughs> run along, you know. And, uh, you know, again, he was gracious, you know. He was very nice to us and polite and, you know, we took a picture with him real quick. And then I went on my way. Um, when I was laying down, I had this habit of um, laying down to control my adrenaline, take like a little nap. Before a match, just, right? Yeah, before the match. It just ran across my mind. I was like, damn. At that time, I didn't have an instructor. Um, I was like, man, I should just ask him. And I did. I caught him just as he was leaving. I asked him. And the rest is history, man. So, I mean, you say to him, what, like, hey, I want to come train with you. And <laughs> so I was like, listen, I know this is a little crazy. Um, but I'm in a certain situation right now. Unfortunately, I was training with the team and things didn't work out. And right now I don't have a professor. I have a whole bunch of students. I have a school. Um, you know, our school's open seven days a week. Business is booming. And um, I don't have a, a professor. I need someone to supervise my training and then supervise the training of or help me to supervise the training of my students. And I was like, I'm just wondering if, you know, I mean, I, I know this sounds crazy, but are you willing to like take on a new student and possibly an affiliate? And he, his response was like, um, you know what? I'm on my way. At that time, he was like the uh, bantamweight champion of, of uh, bantamweight um, uh, number one contender. And so he had a title shot and he was like, listen, I got this MMA fight going on. I got to go back to Brazil. I got to go back to Japan. Um, when I come back, we'll, we'll see if we can sit down and talk about it, you know? So he did come back. He, um, he had a school that he um, had started in Hawkesson, Delaware. It was called Rio Jitsu. And when he came back to deal with that is when I reached, uh, I finally met up with him over there. I drove um, from Jer Jersey to um, Hawkesson is probably like, man, I think like three hours or something like that. And it just turned out that the day I was supposed to meet him, there was like a blizzard. You know, they had given everybody, <laughs> you know, yeah, it was crazy. And they were like, oh, stay home. The I universe was like, wasn't going to make it that easy for you. <laughs> nah. Let's see if he really wants us. Bro, I drove in that blizzard. Well, I had a, I had a Toyota Highlander four-wheel four drive, so I was, I was good, man. And I didn't even have to, I didn't even have to plow the snow <laughs> to get out of my parking spot. I just <clears throat> drove right over everything. And so I drove out there, and um, I remember getting there. The school wasn't even open yet. He still had, like, um, those... Um, there was, um, it was like paper in the window, you know, it, was like, it wasn't even open. And we went in, the match was set, everything was really nice inside. And um, that's when I sat down with him and presented to him what my vision was as a competitor, as, a, as an instructor and professor, and as a business owner. I was like, this is the name of my school, which is Cutting Edge Business Jiu-Jitsu. We're located here, here, here. Um, this is what my plan is. I had everything laid out for him, written out my goals, um, you know, short-term goals, long-term goals. And I even had broken down on paper um, each each portion of the class, like an hour session class, what the first 15 minutes was going to be like from the 15 minute mark down to the 30 minute mark, 30 minute mark down to the 45 minute mark. Wow. Everything was in full detail on how I was going to run the class and make it as efficient as possible, you know? And um, he was really impressed with that. He was very, very impressed with that. And, um, you know, he just said, this is cool, but I need to know more about your family. And that was something that really left a mark on me because I went with this like business mentality and, you know, money mentality. And he really wanted to know about me and my kids. And, and that was pretty awesome. I, that was a huge lesson that I learned in that, with that encounter. Yeah. I mean, sometimes in, you know, in business, you want to not only know who you're dealing with, but it's, you know, the story that you just told about your father, 
some people might think, oh, if I tell this story, they're going to think negative, negatively of me. But it goes to character that you can come through something like that and have what you have now. So I know, like, I I am closest to the people business-wise where I know these things about them. And I understand what they've been through to get where they are rather than just somebody that's, you know, looking for the next sale. I own a marketing company, so I'm always talking sales with people or, uh-huh. you know, uh, uh, you know, getting referrals and giving referrals. So it, it's very hard to give a referral to somebody that I don't know. Uh-huh. You know I, I won't do it. I won't do it. I, I gotta, I've got to know them, not only know the work, but I have to understand them and their background a little bit and understand yeah. that they're going to get the job done. It's, it's, my name is on the pro- on the project if I refer it, you know. So, yeah. uh, so I, I kind of I have that mindset when it comes to business. Thank you to DD two fourteen Fightwear gear for patriotic rollers. Visit their website DD two fourteen BJJ dot com and get fifteen percent off your online order with code JJD. And check them out on Instagram at DD two fourteen underscore Fightwear. Thank you to Feito IT and AV. Specializing in commercial and residential automation, security cameras, CCTV, POS, and more. Check them out at feitoitav.com or call 305-428-2515 and let them know the dummy sent you. Thank you to Neutral Zone CBD, a combat family-owned company that supports athletes and the people who love them. Neutral Zone strives to deliver clean CBD products for sports recovery in gummies, lotions, balms, roll-ons, and more. After a competition, a hard rolling session, or a tough day on the job, Neutral Zone has a product designed to help you reduce inflammation, increase cell rejuvenation, and may even help with aging joints. Visit NeutralZoneCBD.com and get 25% off your order with code JJD. And follow them on Instagram, too. At My Neutral Zone. Jiu-Jitsu's favorite monthly subscription box has now joined the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies podcast. The BJJ box is delivered to your door filled with premium jiu-jitsu and grappling apparel, equipment, supplements, supplies, snacks, and more. The crew at the BJJ box find the best in the world of jiu-jitsu and guarantee every box to be worth more than the cost. Each box includes four to seven items you're going to love. Visit thebjjbox.com and use code JJD10 to get $10 off your very first box. And give them a follow on Instagram at thebjjbox. All of us here at the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies would like to thank the entire crew over at Flow and Roll for their tremendous support. They're renowned for their incredible t-shirt designs, and they've got something for everyone. Flow and Roll quickly rose up to become the premier custom apparel provider for academies, big or small, throughout the United States. Shoot them an email about your custom order, flowenroll at gmail.com, and they'll be more than happy to get you hooked up. Check them out on Instagram at flow underscore n underscore roll for samples of their gi and no gi kits. They conveniently offer flexible payment options too. Head over to flowenroll.com for more details, and while you're there, pick up a Jujitsu Dummy signature tee, now exclusively at flowenroll.com. And remember, you'll get 20% off your online purchase of t-shirts, rash guards, or gis with code JJD. Special thanks to George Hernandez, Claims Adjuster. Have you experienced damage in your residential or commercial property in the states of Florida or Texas from flood or fire, storms, theft and vandalism, even sinkholes, just to name a few? Don't get stressed out dealing with your insurance provider. Call George Hernandez today and let the professionals get you the most compensation possible. 
Visit HernandezClaims.com or call 305-712-6751 to get help now. And stay in touch with them on Instagram at HernandezClaims. So, so fast forward, now you've been with him for how long? You've been part of his association for how long? Man, since 2000, uh, since 2004. Yeah. yeah. Wow. We're actually going to have, he'll be here at the school uh, June, June 18th. Okay. And it's going to be like our 17th year consecutive or something like that, where we've had Robson come here to teach an annual seminar. We make it a huge event, promotions, food, churrasqueria, uh, <laughs> you name it. Um, nice. It's a huge all-day event here with him to celebrate um, the phenomenal relationship that I've had with him all these years. That's great. So. Let's uh, let's go back. You mentioned uh, Pans, or you mentioned competing last weekend. Or really, it's a couple of weeks now. So, tell us how you did, and tell tell us your story. How how did the whole week go for you? Man, it was awesome. What a yeah. phenomenal experience. So I was competing, and then I took some time off because when my my wife Kayla and I we had our our baby girls Aliada and Julia. You know, I was competing a little bit when she was pregnant with Aliada and even after Ali was born, but that was like stressful, man. I saw like the stress it was putting on her. Like when we would do Skype and she's like, I miss you. And I was like, dude, I, I got to cut this out. I can't be traveling. I went to Europe to compete in the Europeans and you know, she was back at home with the baby girl, you know? So wow. I was like, all right, you know what? I got to put this to the side. So I stopped competing. I just focused on the business and, and my family and helping my athletes, you know, um, chase their dreams right so i always had that in my heart though there was times where i was telling my students the other day about that one video that they uh there's a video online of marcelo garcia being interviewed when he's talking about the the fact that he wasn't going to be able to compete anymore and you could just see the pain and hear it in his voice yeah and um and at, at one point, you know, I like there's a certain part of my academy when you walk in, my cousin, I didn't build this. My cousin built it where he kind of made like a little athlete corner where it's a picture of me at the world's like in the prime of my life. And then there's these medals on the wall. I had all this stuff put away. I didn't even have medals up. I didn't have the picture. One day my cousin's looking through stuff. He's like, cuz, what is this stuff doing here? I'm like, ah, I just put that to the side. It's like, man, one day I come in, he just created this little little kind of like a little athlete wall and uh i remember looking at those medals and just thinking to myself like damn bro i don't know if i'll ever be able to get back out there again i really miss that push and that thrive and that that thrill and man it worked out man the girls started school we had the lockdown and when when school started full-time again i was like maybe i might be able to now take advantage of the time that they're going to school when i drop them off from when i pick them up to squeeze in performance training, speed training, strength training, technical training, so I could get back in shape and go back out there. And it, I planned everything out to the T, man, and it worked out. And so my first how, tournament how long back, did, If I can how long did you go between, how many years has it been since you competed? It was, was it nine years. Nine years, I mean, almost a decade. Yeah, nine years. Okay. So yeah, it was, Ali was one when I stopped, well, she was a few months old when I stopped, and now she's, um, She's going to be nine in, um, in July. So, um, yeah, I planned everything out, got into somewhat kind of shape. I mean, I always stay training, but competition shape is different from like training at the Academy. And, um, I, I did something crazy, right? I was like, all right, I need 
I also needed a little bit of motivation, right? Like I had some students that were like, will not you do like a fight to win? I was like, man, I'm not about to cut weight for a fight to win. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's cool. It's nice to be on that stage. And I love the pyrotechnics and all that. But I was like, that's not really going to get me going. I decided to register for the 2000, 2021 Masters World in um, Las Vegas. I was like, this is going to get me going. Because I know once I register, I'm like, I'm going to make weight. <laughs> and I'm going to get in shape. So that was our first tournament back. I took it one match at a time. I wasn't really expecting too much for myself. You know, I was blessed and fortunate back in 2011 to place for bronze in the adult category of the Roosterweight Cat um, division. I was at the time 37 years old, which is unheard of. Um, it, that's my history. That's something yeah. I'm very, very proud of. That's like a 37 is an old man in, the, in this world. Yeah. yeah. And 37 so, feels like 60 sometimes. But that was a feat in itself. You know, it was something that was very difficult to do. And so I was like, listen, man, you know, that was another time. Don't expect too much from yourself. Just take one match at a time. And that's exactly what I did. I got there. I took one match at a time. And all of a sudden, I'm in the finals with Soka, man. It was amazing. Is it, do you feel it? Was it hard for you to, to turn that switch back on? Because, you know, when you're teaching and you're flowing with your students and, you know, you're, you know, as a coach or really as a, um, again, I'm not going to call you a hobbyist, but, you know, you're not rolling hard. You're not ripping arms off. You're being careful not to hurt a student or white belt. Was it hard to flip that switch? I'll be honest with you. There weren't too many things that I was worried about, but that was one thing that I was worried about. Yeah. I remember telling, I was one of my black belts that was there, Frank Pino. And I said to him, Frank, there's one thing that worries me is will I be able to pull the trigger? I've been such a professor all these years and make sure not to hurt anybody and roll in light. I avoid all the hard rolls just so this way I don't get dragged into that mentality of hard rolls. So this way I can help my students grow. So I was really worried that I was going to be able to pull the trigger. But um, man, it just clicked, man. It just clicked. Everything yeah. clicked. It was like I never left. You know, yeah. I, I, it was amazing. I was like, wow, this is just amazing. Um, you know, there were some things that were off. You know, I felt like uh, the ring rust, you know. But, um, man, I, it's almost like I didn't miss a beat, man. I was attacking hard, passing throws. I did a flying triangle. I did some Yoko Tomonages. One of the things that I had in my mind to do was... I'm not saying that all the jujitsu world is like that, but a majority of jujitsu trends right now, I'm not really too happy with the butt flop and these guys just sitting down and gone. Like, <laughs> I, I find it highly annoying. It's something that I'm like, come on, man. You know, you train eight hours a day, you know, or four hours a day, seven days a week. You can't do a throw. Yeah. Come on. You can't even try to do a throw. Like the trends, right? There's like a style right now. It's like, everybody looks cool doing that shit, you know, like just sitting and pulling and, I'm like, man, I'm going to go in there and, and, and do some single legs, man. Let's go do some judo throws. I love Rodolfo Vieira, like guys like that. You know, Dominique yeah. Bell, man. I look forward to seeing his matches because you know he's going to throw somebody on the head. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I want to see, make jiu-jitsu exciting again. You know, not just yeah. buff flops, like double guard pull. And then and then the referee's like, but oh, oh, penalty, penalty. I'm like, that shit's ugly. Excuse my friend. That, yeah, it's sure. ugly. It's ugly, bro. It's ugly. So one of the things that I was like, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to put on a show. And that's exactly what went down, man. You know, first match, I threw this guy two or three times with a Yoko Tomonage, went to his back. It was exciting to watch, man. You know, I got so many emails from people like, dude, that was crazy. Your matches were nuts. You know, second match, flying triangle, you know, um, you know, third match, I tried to fly on the third match. I failed, but I tried, you know, and it was like, I didn't just sit down on my butt and play with the guy's feet, you know, 
So that was one of my major goals. And that's why I was like, let me just take it one match at a time. And that's what I wanted to accomplish. But I was able to accomplish even more, right? I made some exciting matches. I got some phenomenal footage that I'm going to eventually put up as a highlight reel. You know, I inspired my students because they were like, man, that was so exciting to watch. I had a group of guys that were, you know, in a, in a Skype meeting watching and they were just losing their mind. They're like, man, this guy's crazy. And, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to, you know, show my students like, all right, you know, the trends are cool, man. Go out there and do you. I don't want to be like an AOJ clone. Everybody doing the same thing. Hafal Mendes is awesome. Dilemi is awesome. Tanan is awesome. They're all awesome. But I don't want to be them. I don't want to do the same thing they do. And so I try to teach my students, be you. Learn techniques. Find something that you like. The way we teach jiu-jitsu at my school is kind of like, I tell them, it's like a buffet. When you go to a buffet, you have your seeds on one end, you have fruits on one end, vegetables on the other, you got some meats, you got some rice. I just teach jujitsu. I don't teach them what I like. I don't tell them to do what I do. I tell them, pick what you like and develop that. So at my school, even though there might be some similarities, everybody has a different style of jujitsu. You're not going to see everybody doing the same technique, the same style. Some guys like to um, play guard. Some guys like to play the top, you know? I, I, it's almost like I force feed them the vegetables here at the academy when it comes to like judo and wrestling. Those are the two classes that I have the least attendance. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and sometimes like I feel like a little discouraged. Right? I'm like, damn, man, these guys don't come. But I'm like, I don't care if they don't come. I'm going to teach it. I'm going to teach it. Maybe there's one or two guys that are going to take it. and They're going to make it their own. And when they go out, either it's training or they go out to compete, they're going to do it. They're not just going to sit and butt fly like everybody does, you know? And yeah. so that butt flopping is one of the reasons why I think at least right now, as it stands, we'll never be like a spectator sport. Like, you know, you don't have, people don't watch jujitsu who don't do jujitsu unless it's like family members and they're watching cause we're competing or where they're, they're coming to watch us train, but you never just, you're never going to find somebody like a, a boxing fan or a UFC fan or a football fan. They don't have to do it to watch it. With jujitsu, you're only going to watch it if you do it, again, or you're related to somebody who does it. And that's part of it is that it takes away a lot of that excitement where we, my father until recently, huge boxing fan, did not want to watch MMA for years. And then, you know, he'd be like, oh, they're laying on top of each other. Oh, man, they should stand them up. That was him, right? <laughs> and I'd be like, no, man, this is where it gets good. You don't know, you know, just, you know, watch how he passes and he moves his feet and he'll grab an arm. Just, just watch the details. But they don't see that. Now he now he loves the UFC. He knows more about the UFC and MMA than I do now. But because of that butt flop and because of that the the footsie stuff, which I think is great and it works, because of that, it's really hard to get that casual viewer to be like, oh wow, that's so much fun to watch. Because if they don't know how to do it, they don't understand it, and then it's just not fun to watch. Yeah, you know? I had an experience with my um, speed coach. Um, when I met him, he didn't know much about jujitsu. He did do wrestling, um, work with some wrestlers from a big university here in Jersey. And I remember that he was like, man, I tuned in here at the Parisi Speed School. And um, he was like, we were losing our minds. Like, he was like, I didn't really know what you were doing because I don't know much jujitsu, but I saw you throw the guy. <laughs> and and I remember saying to him, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that your first experience watching jujitsu was watching my matches and not some of these other butt floppers because you would have been like, what the hell is that, you know? And he was like, man, everybody in Parisi was like, they were standing up and cheering and yelling, yeah, Joseph, yeah, Joseph. And you're right. So I could talk trash, right? Like I said before, you know, um, uh, any fool can complain and most do. Or I could get out there and just try to show the people, at least my students or anybody that's watching, how it's done, man. 
And so my, so we had the Masters World in 2000 and 2021. And then I set up to compete at four more events, Indianapolis, um, uh, uh, Atlanta, Boise, and then the Pans in Kissimmee. And um, I did the same thing, bro. I went out there and just put on a spectacle, throws, passes, sweeps, missions, you name it. The one thing I did not do, I did not butt flop and I didn't play footsies, you know? And every single person that watched it was like, wow, that was amazing. And so uh, last uh, two weeks ago, I think it was, I was at um, Kissimmee and uh, it was a great run, hard weight cut, um, tough weight cut, tough weight cut. And I definitely felt it, but um, we did what we had to do. I won, I, again, I took it one match at a time. I won the first match, won the second match. And then I, I met Omar Salem, who I lost to by two points in the semifinals. So uh, that was pretty cool because I had watched him when I first started training jiu-jitsu. And he won a world title at that time. I think that was like his third or fourth world title back in 2001. You know, so it was really awesome to go against the OG like that. <laughs> you know, I ha I, this is a, a perfect time to introduce a, a, a listener comment or question because we're talking about, you know, we're talking about competition. Uh, we had Jaylene Hernandez. She asked, what would be the best advice for an athlete when losing a fight? So, you know, you just, you're just talking about, you know, your loss. What do you tell your students? Man, um, I always say to my students that there, there are two things all competitors are destined to do. That's to win and to lose. Mm. There's not a single person that is exempt from that. How, so how many, go ahead, I'll let you finish. I'm sorry. No, no, you can go. go uh, how, many, how many competitors do you think were at Pans? How many people? I mean, I saw some numbers thrown around, like close to 4,000. Okay, so 4,000 competitors. Yeah, and then how many you know weight categories, male, female, you know, bell? How many how many gold medals do they give out? You know, I mean, I think in the in the uh, yeah, if you just count the adult male, I think there's about nine categories, right? Okay, right. Something so like seven to nine. When when I talk to people that that want to compete but they're worried about losing, like oh, I don't want to lose in front of my coach. I don't want to lose in front of the team. Or I know people that'll go compete on their own and not tell anybody. Like they'll go to maybe a local event, but maybe a little bit further away so that nobody sees them. Say, understand, look, 4,000 people competed and there's just a handful of people that are going to win. So there are a lot more, again, a lot more people that lost and are going to go through that same feeling as you. You know, no one's expecting, you know, no one's standing there going, oh, you lost, oh, and they're going to judge you. It's just like, you know, you have the balls to get out there. So sometimes, you know, I... When, when somebody's talking about wanting to compete, but they're scared about, you know, you know, I don't want, I don't want to compete in front of coach. What if I do something wrong? He's going to get, listen, again, there are going to be a lot more losers out there than there are winners. So, yeah. So, um, one of the things, advice that I would give to, to competitors is, well, that's one of them. You got to get that in your head that winning and losing is, is the two sides of the same coin. Um, two, um, you don't have any control over that. I always tell my students to do their due diligence, right? I always use the shape of a triangle, right? And I say that um, if you look at a triangle, at the top of the triangle and the two sides on the bottom, the two corners on the bottom, the first one should be technique, right? And then on one side, you have your speed training and then you have your strength training, right? Uh, we could elaborate a lot more under the technique um, point of the triangle, which is at the top. It should always be at the top. There's mental training, there's technical training, you know? Um, and um, there's a psychological training. And then you have your speed and your strength. If you do these three, 
and you do them diligently, right? You can have some success. But even if you did them diligently, it doesn't guarantee that you're going to win. But at least try to do that. Be very diligent in those aspects of your life. Make sure that you do your technical training. Um, you, you invest in, in all types of um, um, things that can help you learn more about jiu-jitsu. Um, obviously, the filet mignon of learning in jiu-jitsu is private lessons. So from the beginning as a white belt, I've always had the habit of investing in my private lessons. You know, I've always made sure to invest in my workshops and seminars. Seminar pops up, I don't miss those. So this way I can gain more knowledge, you know? Obviously, we don't want to miss class. Studying footage is very important. I've always had from the beginning of my jiu-jitsu journey, studying matches. All the high-level matches, black belt finals, semifinals, quarterfinals, anything I can find um, to this way I can watch and see what the reaction is. Right? This is kind of like common knowledge, you know? But, it, it, you know, even the best need to be reminded, you know, that these are things that are super important. Then you have your speeding, you have your strength training, you know? I, um, you want to make sure that you're in shape. And, um, and, 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 and both, in both regards, you want to be strong. So this way you protect your joints and your ligaments, do your Olympic lift, things like that. And do your speed training to develop your cardio, dexterity, um, you know, speed, quickness, things like that. Um, these are the most important things you could do. You have no control over, um, whether you win or you lose. The only thing you have control over is what you're going to do to prepare for the match. That's it. You, this, how many guys go out there to compete? And you see them on Instagram and they're like, I'm ready, I'm ready. You see these mad hype videos of them working out and then they go and they lose, you know? But the one interesting to note about them, and I was talking about Gustavo Batista uh, recently to one of my students, was that, you know, uh, the Pans last year, he won his division and he made it to the finals of the open class. It's phenomenal. Him and Felipe Andrew. I think they, they made it to the finals without even having a point scored upon them. But then they got to the finals of the open class and Gustavo lost. Did you see him whining and complaining and crying on social media about losing? No, the guy competed like two weeks later and fights win. Yeah. Like, man, you just got to dust yourself off. Get up and keep going, you know? That is a very important lesson that all athletes need to, to understand. How does that mental side play into your own training and when you're training your, your students? Are you really so, sitting down and talking about like visualization and, yes. you know, just kind of, you know, thinking positive. Do you really go that deep into that with your students? Yes. I always suggested them a few books that I read for, for psychological training, like the mindset of a champion. Uh, Talented is overrated by Jeff Colvin. These are amazing psychological uh, books or audio books that you can listen to, um, to help um, develop the mindset of a champion. Um, I always say it's my favorite quote, confidence comes through preparation. So if you want to build your confidence as a competitor, you have to prepare correctly. You got to prepare technically. You got to prepare your speed training and your strength training. If you do those things, you're going to notice the difference on the mat when you're training with your training partners, right? You're going to be getting the best of them. And those are all super important things to help you from the psychological point. You know, confidence comes through preparation, but you got to prepare on all three sides of the triangle, technical preparation, psychological preparation. Um, I have students that when they compete, we sit down. Um, bring the footage. I always tell them, record. I want to see. If I can't make it to the event, record. Let's sit down, watch. And we break it down, you know, step by step and look at these things so we can correct them. That's so important. It's just like a, you know, when you hear, when I hear guys say things like, I don't study any footage. I'm just like, bro, Mike Tyson study footage. Like the great Mike Tyson. You know, I'm thinking about him now because what happened on the airplane. <laughs> we were talking about it before the show. <laughs> um, you know, Floyd Mayweather. Like the greats, the greats, man. These guys sat down and studied footage. You telling me you don't study footage, man. Listen, I'm like, don't listen to those guys. 
You know, you got to study footage, study footage of other people, study footage of your matches, study footage of your opponents. You understand? I was able to look at the opponents that I faced this weekend, this past two weeks ago at the pants. I looked at some mannerisms that I saw and I took advantage of that. One of the guys stood with white feet. I was like, look at that stance. I put him right on his back with a morote seonage because his feet were wide. I could see the patterns in his, in his movements in the, in the previous matches. Another one, I noticed that he pulled guard. I was like, this guy pulls guard every single match. He doesn't try anything else. I was like, all right, well, I don't know what he's going to do. If I can't beat him to the takedown, he's going to pull guard. And when he pulled, I was ready. I didn't let him pull me into close guard and I was able to win the match. You know, you got to study matches. You got to do this stuff, yeah. you know? Has there ever been a loss in your career that was like something that you could look back on and say, that was a hard one to recover from? Nope. Never? Nah, because I came from nothing. And when you come from nothing, it's hard to, to beat someone that comes from nothing. Yeah. All right? And one of the things that I, I try to always tell myself is don't be self-entitled. Don't be a self-entitled prick. You're not old to win. You know, you, to be a champion, you got to believe in yourself. You have to. If you don't believe in yourself, who is? But you can't be a self-entitled. You, you can't. You got you to gotta understand, you know? And I just looked at the greats, man, you know? We've all seen the greats lose. We've, yeah. we've seen them all lose. Somebody's got to lose. Somebody's going to lose. Somebody's got to lose. And so it's like, I don't think like that, you know? It's just an experience. It's something that you learn from. You should. If you're wise and you have a good coach that's going to teach you and not let you be like self-entitled brat, he's going to tell you, bro, Come on, man. Let's go back in the gym. Let's work on this. We'll be back. You know, and sitting around crying about this stuff. Yeah. You know? I know my coach will put that guy in his place <laughs> <You know? laughs> in a nice role. You know, he's going to remind you that you don't know everything yet and yeah, that you need man. to practice and you need to not, not every you know, coach I've had or, or, or have known. I, I guess it's evolved. Like when I first started jujitsu, my coach wasn't always happy that I would, look at videos online and I'd find things and then ask him. And then when he knew that I wasn't going to stop, he embraced it. He'd actually let me bring my iPad. And at the end of class, he'd be like, all right, what do you got for me? Cause he knew I was going to ask him some questions about a video or how do I do this thing? Um, and, and my third, like when I first started training, I'm uh, like a lot of people, like I got addicted so quickly, you know, six days a week, two or three hours a day, open mat on a Saturday. We used to go, we had a, like a sister gym that we'd go, they'd come to us, we'd go to them. My girlfriend at the time, who's my wife now, would be like, really? Like three hours a day, six days a week? Really? This is a little, like, come on. Does it have to be every day? And I was at that time, I was like, yeah, it has to be every day. So I got so addicted to it. But, I, you know, I don't, not, not all coaches have been so, uh, so happy that I did that. But um, I, I think now, these days, it's kind of just expected and, you know, COVID was kind of telling because if you had, before COVID, people who had like the online training academies, like maybe it was kind of like, a, there was always a joke about Gracie's giving like a blue belt online, like you can get a Gracie University blue belt without ever training with them. And now look at where we are as far as training and people were doing online courses and Zooms and and still teaching. Like it's just come, to, it's such a long way that now it's, it's kind of like oh you don't watch film you don't you don't watch anything on youtube you don't buy instructionals shit i just bought my first my first instructional that i've ever bought i watch a lot of stuff online but my first instructional marcelo garcia north the, the uh, north south because um, that's my favorite that's always been my favorite move so uh but that wasn't you know instructionals have been out there for a long time but i don't think my coaches weren't always uh so hyped that i that i did that 
that I'd come to them with some like, like doing something on the mat that they hadn't taught me. But now I think that that's gone away. Now they just kind of know I'm going to, like most students, are going to find something. And then I think that my suggestion is that you do bring it to your coach, though, and say, hey, teach me how to do this and maybe the counters and what I'm going to, you know, what, what, what I'm going to be looking at when somebody tries to reverse me, to counter me, to, to whatever it may be. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just a different world. And, and you've got to know that from, from Choke Lab itself, right? You know, in the beginning, was it, was it well-received when you started? Or were people like, oh, what are you doing, you know? No, it was very, unfortunately for me, it was yeah. very well received. You yeah. know? I mean, it was, um, if you haven't noticed in the conversation already, everything I do is always very well thought out. Mm-hmm. And Choke Lab was very well thought out. I took my time to develop what the goal was going to be, um, the logo. I took my time designing that. You know, I spent a lot of nights up late working on the idea of the lab beaker and, and, and the reason why we put it in a circle. You know, I was like, I was thinking like, oh, if you make a circle, circles are always, uh, logo circles are always great. You could always make an awesome decal, make them in all types of sizes. They fit everywhere. Everything was well thought out. And so when we finally did put it out there, um, you know, both online and people around me, it was very well accepted. You know? Yeah. Do you feel like if you weren't doing jujitsu, God forbid, if you weren't doing jujitsu, if you hadn't discovered jujitsu, do you think you would have you would have continued to pursue graphic design and is that where you would be? Sure, because when I was um when I was a young man in the hood, graffiti was one of my outlets. Okay. So, you know, I was tagging on the wall. You were always creative. Yeah, I was piecing. I was like, that was one of the things that I did, you know, when I was, um, you know, on the block in the hood. Um, I was known for that. I had a graffiti crew. It was called TMS. Too many of us. And uh, (laughs) uh, no, but actually TMS stood for um, um, Tag Masters, Toy Murdering Squad. So, you know, I had a little graffiti crew. I was on the streets out there, you know, um, and, um, you know, it was a different time, you know. And I was really into, like, one of the past times I did when I was um, young because all my friends were, like, selling dope on the block was I'd go to the library and just, in the Newark Library, I'd just sit there for hours and, and do research on different types of art, you know? Um, I fell in love with illustrative designing, you know, rendering realism. And so that's how I was able to have a lot of success with graffiti. So I was, like, one of the top graffiti artists in Newark. Um, and uh, then I took graffiti from there. I got a job at a, at a, at a location in the Newport, New Jersey City. It was called Aerodynamics, where they did airbrush art. So um, I was able to make money with it. So I took that skill and that um, knowledge that I learned in the library. And then I started to make money with it, working at, um, airbrush, uh, at the airbrush store, Aerodynamics. And then I just continued from there. You know? It's funny how like people that... I mean, it's not everyone, but so many people who excel at jujitsu tend to be very creative, um, you know, art, creative, artistic. Do you need to, to talk to somebody over there? Are you telling yeah, them? Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, like, uh, you know, I've worked with a scientist. I have, um, uh, I've got PhDs that train at my, at my school. Um, mathematicians, accountants. It's very like it's funny, and I don't, I don't want. I guess it's odd, maybe on the outside looking in for somebody that doesn't know that people who have like these weird, not weird, 
that they're creative or they're analytical is probably the word that I'm looking for, that they're the best jujitsu practitioners. They get it in a different way. Their minds look at it from the same way as their creative side or their mathematical side or their scientific side. And they come at jujitsu in that different way, right? Yes. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. Right. I know for for me, I'm just a big guy that just <laughs> I'm just like you know, kind of you know, smashing passes is, is is my game. I won't I won't put myself in that same category, but I definitely have fallen in love with jujitsu. So let me we're gonna do a we call it a speed round, not so much of a speed round because we could elaborate on on these things, but I've got about seven or eight questions that I'm gonna ask you, and uh, we're gonna end on a really good one, but. So we, we've talked a lot about training and competing. Do you have a preference between gi or no gi? Not just in competing, but in training. Do you have a preference for gi or no gi? I, I love them both. Yeah. So if somebody said, if uh, one of your students was like, hey, let's go train. You're, are you grabbing the gi or are you showing up in your, your shorts and your rash guard? <laughs> I would say the gi. The gi. The okay, there we go. So we, you already answered this. We always ask, you know, are you a takedown or pull guard guy? We've already established takedown. <laughs> but I'm curious with all the competing that you've done, who's your favorite competitor to watch? Man. Uh, man, so many. If I could just say off the top of the head, I like Jamie Canuto. I like his style of jiu-jitsu. Okay. You know, um, it's like well-rounded. Um, uh, he does throws, he does takedowns, flying attacks. He passes the guard. Um, definitely like, um, man, I, I mean, if I think about competitors on the scene right now, um, I like uh, uh, obviously I, I like Jonathan Alva, right? Okay. I like I like his style, and um, are you someone that's yeah. watching like every fight to win? You know, I I always ask, are you a consumer of jujitsu because you're putting it, you do it, you train it, you know, you're competing. Are you in front of that? You know, in front of the app or yeah. in the t in front of Flow Grappling oh, yeah. on a Friday night oh, watching yeah. every match? Oh, yeah. yeah, that's you. I, I, I study matches all the time, watching yeah. matches all the time. Yeah. I mean, I try to, I know for me, like it's, there's so much. And then my first love was really the UFC and, and watching MMA and even boxing where I can't get it all in. It's like, you know, the brain's going to explode with the podcast. I definitely watch more, more of the competitions. If the good thing about, you know, the on-demand models that we have now is that I don't always have to watch it live. I can catch it the next day or <laughs> my wife wants to watch something or she wants me to watch something with her on a Friday night. After a long week, I'm not just going, no, no, baby. I've got five hours of jujitsu to watch now. So can you just, you know, shh, that's not going to work in my house. All right. So what is your ultimate goal in the world of jujitsu? What, what, what do you want your legacy to be? Uh, jujitsu is a very powerful tool um, for self-defense and character development. Um, not that everybody needs that. But um, I definitely have my handful of students over the years that uh, jujitsu has helped to put on the right track. Um, it has helped me a lot in terms of character development. I had a nasty, nasty temper. I don't think that I don't have the temper anymore. I just know how to deal with it a lot better. And so that's one of the, the main goals is, um, is to, to spread the knowledge of self-defense, um, help people that can use the, the, the the amazing aspects of jujitsu to help with character development and another thing is that um one of the things that we're able to do through the art of jujitsu i feel at my school is 
is kind of counter the negative energy that exists in the world, right? Like, you you know, like right now, I'm like five minutes away from the turnpike. If I go to the turnpike and I go to pay, you know, those people there are like miserable. They don't say hello. You know, you I walk out right in front of the school in the morning. Sometimes I say good morning to people and they're just like, mm-hmm. you know? So in the Jiu-Jitsu Academy, we teach, you know, to be polite and to be courteous and to be empathetic. And so that's one of the main things that I try to spread um, through the science of jujitsu. Anytime I teach a seminar, I always go and I shake everybody's hand in the room, you know, I try to be helpful and polite, you know, um, and those are like three of the main things that uh, I want to, I want to, you know, spread through the art of jujitsu. Okay. I like that. So if you could go back in time and talk to yourself before the very first time you stepped on the jujitsu mats, what would you tell yourself? Man, that's a good one. What would I tell myself? If I were to say, what advice would you give yourself? What advice? Well, I, I wouldn't be able to because I started training. I was 27 years old and um, I was surrounded by a lot of extremely wise people. And so I was already a professional in my career. I had children. My life was set and it was already headed in the right direction. You know, so I didn't really make any unwise decision in jujitsu. I think if there's one thing I could tell myself would be probably be um, not to spar as much. Like because, focus more yeah. on, on drilling than mm-hmm. sparring so much because okay. that, that puts a lot of beating on your body. So, you know, as a professor, as an instructor, as a business owner, I don't have any really bad injuries. I have some, some injuries, but you know, I could probably preserve my body a lot more okay. to be able to do these other things that, that, that jujitsu requires me to do. When did, when did the, the switch flip for you as far as, Oh wait, this is the career. This is what I'm doing from what you were doing before to no, no, jujitsu is the career. When did that happen for you? That happened for me when I decided to, when I got the crazy idea to try to become a world champion, (laughs) (laughs) because I realized, like, I remember talking to my professor at the time, Mario Lemos. I said, man, I want to be a world champion. And he, he was like, well, in order to do that, you have to train like two or three times a day, seven days a week. How are you going to do that? There's no school open in Jersey. So our school, I'm not sure, don't quote me on this, but I'm almost 100% that when I opened Cutting Edge Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in 2004, we were the only school that had three or four sessions a day, seven days a week. Wow. Most schools still don't do that. Yeah, most schools do. Wow. (laughs) Okay. So do you have any regrets as it relates to your Jiu-Jitsu journey? Is there anything that you would have changed? Absolutely not. No. Absolutely not. It's been a phenomenal, phenomenal journey. It's just been absolutely amazing. I have no other words for it. I don't have any regrets. I did everything right. Good. I, 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 it's almost a loaded question when I ask that because then I remind people, like, all of those mistakes or regrets that you might bring up, they've led you to this where you are right now. And for the most part, when we're talking to somebody, it's, they're, in a, they're in a good place, you know. They're in a good place with their jujitsu. They're, you know, they're, um, you know, they're an ambassador. They're a, a coach. They're a gym owner. You know, they're competing at a high level. So it's all of those things that happened that brought them to this, that moment that we're asking that question. So a little bit of a loaded question. All right. Now this is the big one. This is our most important question that we ask. This is the last one. And this is the most important. Okay. Do you or do you not wash your gi belt? 
I wash my Ghee belt. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Is there a why or you, would you like to address when, the reason why people don't wash their belt? Well, I know that there's like this so-called online or some tradition about washing your belt and losing your skills. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Just like anything else that you wear and sweat accumulates on it and dust and dirt, it needs to be washed. So I've always had the habit of washing my belt. And then I got a little more stern with that as a professor instructor, where one time I had an experience rolling with someone and I was playing guard and the belt came like right in front of my face. And it's, <laughs> yo, that thing smelled like... <laughs> Man, I, I can't use the term, you know, it just, it smelled really bad. And I was like, oh man. And um, then I remember telling my students about the experience. And I was like, guys, you know, I know sometimes you see all this stuff on the internet, you know, it's just like movies, everything you see in the movies, everything you read on the internet is not real. Yeah. Like, and you have to use a little bit of common sense, you know? So I always tell them guys, wash your belts. As a matter of fact, like last week I walked around the room and I saw like some white belts and they had like, you know, the little knobs or like a little dusty. I was like, guys, I don't want to walk around here and see any dirty belts, man, because uh, I'm speaking indirectly now. But if yeah. I have to call you out, it's not going to be pleasant, man. You know, yeah, the ones the ones that always kind of make my butt clinch up a little bit is the guy that wraps his gi up and ties the belt around it. And then I see him put it in the trunk. <sighs> and already, you know, kind of he's the smelly guy. That gi is staying in that trunk till the next training session. We've had a couple of those guys. We don't have many of them now, but we had a couple of them. In, in the past at the gym and you don't want to be that guy. I, I just think it's just, I get the whole like, okay, uh, maybe that you're washing it, you're making the belt fade and that's uh, making it look like you train more. That's maybe the best argument that I've heard for somebody who doesn't wash, but there's never an argument for not being clean. You know, you're going to trim your toenails, right? You're going to shave, you're going to, you know, trim your fingernails and your toenails. I, I just can't see somebody that doesn't, uh, that doesn't wash. Now I have two belts. So I, I, I I wash my belt, each belt maybe like once a month. I, new, new to brown belt, I have, I've been out for a couple of months with an injury, just went back this week. But for the most part, when I walk in the house, the gi goes right, the gi, my rash guard, my underwear, like a kind of, you know, the shorts that I wear, everything goes in the wash. The belt is going to make it in there once a month. Because <laughs> a lot of times it, it fell off, it wasn't even on, you know, so again, and then, you know, try not to just fade the hell out of it, you know, and it gets all loose and, and shitty. But anyway, that's me. So, all right, listen, Professor, do you have anybody you want to shout out, any spots, anybody you want to say hello to? This is your time. Man, um, always, um, always a big shout out to my students, man. Um, they are a huge blessing. You know, um, the school, this is not my academy. I always say it's our academy. They're the ones that to help this make, uh, you know, come to fruition and without them, I wouldn't have the school. So uh, to me, they deserve the biggest shout out. You know, um, they support our program. They're loyal students. They're great students and the doors are open because of them. And so that's why I try to give myself 200% to be here and give them the best that I have in class um, to show my, my gratitude. I roll with everyone, you know, except when I'm competing, I got to avoid some of the big guys, but I usually roll with everyone and give them what I have, this body, right? The knowledge and all the use of experience. I give it to them because they deserve that. So for me, they get the biggest shout out. Um, I'm a fanatic with this stuff. And so I think the next person that deserves a huge shout out is my wife, man. My <laughs> wife, man, she, I can't even imagine. Like, she must be like, damn, this guy's crazy. Man. <laughs> she deals with it. It's like I train, my daughter's train. 
The other day I walked in, she's like, babe, there are geese everywhere. There are geese in the basement. There are geese upstairs. There are geese in the room. You know? Do, bo- do um, all of you, your older and your your younger kids train? No, you right now. Your older daughters yeah. from a previous relationship. Yeah, no, they stopped training. I trained them to like Bluebell and then they just went off and they're, yeah, they're adults yeah. now, but they don't they don't train. And uh, But the little ones, um, Ali and Leah, they train, you know? How old are they? Uh, se- uh, seven and eight. Okay. They assist me in the class, yeah. you know? <laughs> Um, they, they, they're in, as we speak, they're in preparation for competition. They decided one day that they wanted to compete. So I have them prepping for that and, um, they're, they're phenomenal. Um, so yeah, my wife definitely deserves a huge shout out for having to deal with me and all this, everything in my life revolves around pretty much jujitsu, you know? Yeah. So she She could do a lot worse, right? You could be at the bar (laughs) at the various strip clubs like we have in South Florida. I tell my wife, it could be where, like, I have no vice. My vice is jujitsu jitsu yeah. and maybe working, you know, but it's all kind of in support of the podcast and jujitsu. Everything's related. Yeah. I even named the company Black Belt Digital Marketing. Like, nice. you know, even, even that's something related. And, you know, I say I'm a, I'm a brown belt in jujitsu. I'm a black belt in marketing. So that's where that yeah. kind of came from. So, nice. but um, yeah, I, I, my, my world revolves around, I tell her. It could be worse, especially when I hear her tell me stories about her girlfriends or family members complaining about their men, you know, and they're lazy and this and that. I'm like, I'm like my dad. Yeah. I'm I'm just like my father in that I can't sit still and I've got to be doing something. If I'm watching TV, it's to take a nap. It's I'm I'm putting the TV on so I can fall asleep. You know, so I said the alternative, listen to your friends, listen to the complaining. They're at the bar. They were out late. I don't know where he was. I think he went to a strip joint. This is it. This is, you know where I'm going to be. I'm in the garage training. I'm at the gym training. Uh, you know, so they could do a lot worse than us. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, all right, Professor, listen, um, don't don't hang up. We're going to take a picture with you in a second, but we're going to say goodbye here. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate this. We'll, we'll uh, tag you when we put this out next week. And, uh, you know, hopefully you had a good time with us, man. I appreciate I did, it. I did. Thank you so much. All for right, man. I really appreciate it. It's been a great time. Thank you to Neutral Zone CBD, a combat family-owned company that supports athletes and the people who love them. Neutral Zone strives to deliver clean CBD products for sports recovery in gummies, lotions, balms, roll-ons, and more. After a competition, a hard rolling session, or a tough day on the job, Neutral Zone has a product designed to help you reduce inflammation, increase cell rejuvenation, and may even help with aging joints. Visit NeutralZoneCBD.com and get 25% off your order with code JJD. And follow them on Instagram, too, at MyNeutralZone. Jiu-Jitsu's favorite monthly subscription box has now joined the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies podcast. The BJJ box is delivered to your door filled with premium jiu-jitsu and grappling apparel, equipment, supplements, supplies, snacks, and more. The crew at the BJJ Box find the best in the world of jiu-jitsu and guarantee every box to be worth more than the cost. Each box includes four to seven items you're going to love. Visit thebjjbox.com and use code JJD10 to get $10 off your very first box. And give them a follow on Instagram at thebjjbox. All of us here at the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies would like to thank the entire crew over at Flow and Roll for their tremendous support. They're renowned for their incredible t-shirt designs, and they've got something for everyone. Flow and Roll quickly rose up to become the premier custom apparel provider for academies, big or small, throughout the United States. Shoot them an email about your custom order, flowandroll at gmail.com, and they'll be more than happy to get you hooked up. 
Check them out on Instagram at Flo underscore N underscore Roll for samples of their Gi and No Gi kits. They conveniently offer flexible payment options too. Head over to flowandroll.com for more details, and while you're there, pick up a Jujitsu Dummy signature tee, now exclusively at flowandroll.com. And remember, you'll get 20% off your online purchase of t-shirts, rash guards, or geese with code JJD. Special thanks to George Hernandez, Claims Adjuster. Have you experienced damage in your residential or commercial property in the states of Florida or Texas from flood or fire, storms, theft and vandalism, even sinkholes, just to name a few? Don't get stressed out dealing with your insurance provider. Call George Hernandez today and let the professionals get you the most compensation possible. Visit HernandezClaims.com or call 305-712-6751 to get help now. And stay in touch with them on Instagram at HernandezClaims. All right, that was great. Pretty cool, right? Very cool. Very cool story. Got a, another another great jujitsu. I don't want to say jujitsu is the only thing that saved his life, but right, he was no, on, just, on a very yeah. bad path. Could have been on a very bad path. And the, the people that he met and the Connections. The reasons and connections to connection story. It brought, it's like you, it's like if he was going down the street, he was being like funneled into this world to to lead him to jujitsu. Right? Is, am I saying it the right way? Like a um, like a like a what's a like a maze? Like a maze? Like guiding light? Yeah, like guiding guided him to the right place. So I you think know, that that's awesome. It's funny because we had Jade Sanon, and similar story, and similar story, except that in his case. There was this guiding light and then some sort of energy that seemed to want to throw him off course the whole time. And he yeah. had to fight that where, where as, um, uh, Joseph, Joseph, uh, sorry, professor, professor, professor correct. Joseph. See, I'm not a jujitsu guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm a civilian. <laughs> uh, he, he had the experience where he met this person and then he had to make a choice. Do I, you know, yeah, it's like a cat following you home. You know, a cat follows you home; it chooses to follow you home. It ends up in a completely different fate. Yeah. Whereas he even said, you know, the things could have turned out really bad for him, and might have if he hadn't met. Such a it's really a cool story. I mean, just from one person, one meeting, boom, just evolves opens up this, this whole, whole new world. Thing. Yep. I think super that. cool. There are a lot of stories like that in jujitsu. Uh, it's why we love. You know, the guys over at the We Defy Foundation. We yeah. Still, uh, we don't talk about them a lot, but they, uh, you know, we have their, uh, yeah. one of their patches up here. I know they so, you know, there, yeah. obviously love to support them. They're doing really great things. But, you know, we hear about those stories a lot. Like, I think I would be dead. I would have done something bad to myself if it wasn't for jujitsu. My marriage would have fell apart if it wasn't for jujitsu. Or just a bad life. It, like, you know. I know being out, I don't compare my being out to any PTSD or any issues that anybody has. I'm just saying I know the feeling after being out for two to three months where I'm sitting, I'm internally going, I have to get this out. Yeah. I need to get this thing out that I get to get out most days of the week. Sure. And now I haven't been able to get it out. Lucky enough, I was doing a lot of gym work. I set up my yeah, you stayed, heavy bag. You in stayed the, uh, relevant. Weightlifting yeah. and bag, bags in the gym. Miguel came and put up some stuff in my uh, in my garage. Speed bag, heavy bag. So I couldn't imagine. You know, Joe Rogan said, I'm not going to be able to quote him on it, but he talked about you get out of work, you have a tough day at work. And then some people will go to the gym and train. 
and they get out that stress from the day. Right. And then there's some people that go home and sit on the couch and crack open a bottle of wine, eat bad food. And he kind of talked about it in a way where he was saying, I can't understand how you're going to explode. You have to have an outlet for that energy. It's like a, a kid, a kid, you give a kid a yeah. candy bar. It's like, well, you got to let him get it out now. Right. Well, that, there's that a stress physical, of work. Yeah, there's a, a physical way. side to that and a psychological side to that too. Yeah. And that's the irony is that the physical side is less important than the psychological release. Yeah. That release. Funny enough, too, there are people that talk about, especially with like with men, sometimes jujitsu is the only time you're being touched. And even oh, the I act of yep, being yep. like we're grabbing each other. I've got you inside control. Maybe you got my back. Human contact. The human contact. That for some people, this yeah. is the only human contact they get. That's and crazy. that's that fills something in them as well. I mean, I touch myself you know. all the time. <laughs> I'm sure more than <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> but um, listen, we're preaching to the choir. I know, you know most people that are listening to us are you know, trained jujitsu or thinking about training jujitsu, but you know, we know that. It is an incredible outlet. Yeah. You know, that's why there's hashtags like jujitsu saved my life. You know, right? Yeah. Like there, there are things out there the like that. PTSD, really the only PTSD you ever have was from the last time you went commando and caught your balls in the zipper. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> at least, <laughs> on that, at least on, it was on that, no, shaved. You're great for transitions. <laughs> at least it was shaved. <laughs> All right, shout out to our Patreon podcast patrons. This is probably the last episode that we're doing these shout outs. Uh, Carlson Gracie, Winter Haven in Winter Haven, Florida. Woo! cgwinterhaven.com at Carlson Gracie underscore Winterhaven on Instagram. Uh, and I, I'll explain more in a second what, yeah, what we're yeah, doing yeah, with yeah. Uh, and why this will be the last time we're doing these, at least in, in this form. So make them good. But Carlson Gracie <laughs> Broward County in North Lauderdale down here in Florida. That's Big J and his, and his guys. Uh, big shout out to, to him and his crew. Carlson Gracie Broward County.com at Carlson Gracie Broward County on IG. John Way Martial Arts in Plantation, Florida. JohnWayMartialArts.com, at JohnWayMartialArts. Matt Murphy, BOA Athletics, under, uh, on IG, it's BOA underscore athletics. Jason Smiley, CJ Carroll, Mission 22, Chuck Reddor out in Hawaii, and Roberto Santiago down here in Florida, who is always super helpful. He's given us a lot of support and always great suggestions on guests. He's the reason why we had Big J which led to us having Rashad on. Right. Uh, we've got uh, another suggestion that came from him that's going to be one of our in-house guests. So thank you, Roberto, cool. very, very much for your support, your suggestions, and just, uh, you know, we, we really, truly, truly appreciate you. You the man. Uh, at Jiu-Jitsu Dummies <laughs> on Instagram for all the ways to watch, listen, and support. Click the link in our bio, and it'll take you to, like, everything about us, our Facebook page, um, the... the our GoFundMe still there, right? We're still trying to put something together where if we raise enough money, we can do the scholarships. Kids, yeah. uh, so, so that's People. still out there, right? We don't do the foundation anymore. We're going to doing it directly from the podcast. Yeah. Uh, so, we're hopefully we'll be able to do something this year, at least one, if we can continue to get support there. But uh, yeah, click that link in the bio, and it'll take you to everything. Uh, my personal is at Uncle Milty BJJ on Instagram. Miguel, we're not going to give his out today. Bo, you want to give out your handle? Yeah, at B-A-D-W-E-R-K-S, Bad Works. Very cool. And what else? Did we miss anything? Oh, look, a squirrel. 
<laughs> yeah, once you know, listen, thank you to all of our sponsors, everybody supporting the show. Um, I, I did have and a lot of people watching. that when I've when I've told people about like we're going to close out Patreon, it's all for the greater good. It's a, there, there's good reasoning behind right. it. We're going to do something else to allow people to get a shout out if they want it. It's just not going to go to the Patreon platform. Uh, but a lot of people, hey, what can I do to support? I, I want to continue to support you. The best way that you could support us is to support our sponsors. I really, truly mean that. Giving us money, spend it here. Do a subscription at the BJJ box. Use the coupon right, codes. Right. That's how they know that you know our listeners are, are doing things. Manscaped, same thing. Neutral Zone. Uh, Feito, IT and AV, Hernandez claims, DD214, you know, another company doing great, really great things in the first responder and, uh, yeah. and, uh, and veteran communities. So the best support that you can give us is supporting them, you know, and being a customer there, subscribing. and they're going to stay, you know, and they're going to stay supporting us. And subscribing because as subscribers, that actually helps support yeah. our sponsors. Comment. So, um, share. Share, like, save a, smack save a, like an Instagram. Button. Like when you when you like an Instagram post, save it. You like a reel, also save it. That also helps with the business. Like, yeah. those are the things that you could do. The more subscribers, the more views we get, the more people that are following us. That's the currency for us to then to then smash, get more sponsors that can support the show. Smash the like button. Smash that yeah. subscribe button. Yeah, that little. On uh, click on, YouTube. on the link, click yeah, the other yeah, bell, so. get notified. All right, let's let everybody go. Thank you guys for watching and listening. And listening, peace, love, jujitsu, baby. Oops. Oops.